And for those of you who have the plain Bible, it is on page 821. The one with the more fancy cover, it's 1165. As Benjamin said, my name is Debbie, and we're starting on chapter 11, verse 16. It's entitled in this Bible, Paul boasts about his sufferings. Verse 16. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool, but if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I will not talk... I will not... Bleh, sorry. I am not talking as Lord would, but as a fool, since there are many boasting in the way that the world does. I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you would put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit it that we were too weak for that. What anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Eretus had the city of Damascus guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from the window in the wall and slipped through his hand. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to, on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard in inexpressible things, things that man are not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was a great given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I am delighted. I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hi, everyone, and uh, welcome to church uh, this morning. I'm going to lead us in prayer as we uh, come to think about this passage that uh, Debbie uh, so nicely read for us earlier on. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your Holy Spirit. We uh, pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would be working uh, in our minds and in our hearts, that he would be uh, humbling us and uh, helping us to be more like your son, uh, our Lord and Saviour Jesus, that uh, your strength would be shown through our weakness. And we pray in his name. Amen. Do not boast or make comments that give the impression that you see yourself as being superior to others. Some Australians may find this obnoxious. That's, uh, that's some advice uh, on, about Australian culture uh, from the SBS website for people who are not from Australia, but who come to live in Australia. It's good advice, don't you think? Um, because uh, in our culture, we, we, don't, um, we don't admire show ponies, we don't admire show-offs, the uh, person who's always boasting about themselves. In fact, we've got some, uh, I think, effective ways of neutralising someone's boasting in our culture by our casual dismissive sayings uh, like, uh, don't worry about that guy, he's got tickets on himself, <laughs> which is a reference to uh, betting tickets he would bet on himself. Or, uh, don't, don't be bothered about her, she's just blowing her own trumpet. She thinks that she's a princess. And uh, in some cultures, you know, boasting is more acceptable than in Australian culture. Uh, but it's not here, is it? It's, it's, it's so much not accepted in Australian culture that newcomers need to be advised to tone it down, to tone down the boasting, because apparently some of us find it obnoxious. And so it's strange, therefore, when we hear Australian Christians boasting. Uh, there is, of course, a right sense in which we should boast about God, about how great and about how wonderful uh, God is. But Christians boasting about themselves, about how gifted they are or how successful their church is compared to others, others which may be just as faithful, even more faithful to the gospel, but are just less impressive in the things by which the, the world judges success. And this, of course, was the problem that the Apostle Paul had with the, in his relationship uh, with the church in Corinth as uh, people who masqueraded as being Christians and fooled people on that joined the congregation and made sure that everyone knew just how great they were in comparison 
to the Apostle Paul. You know, there is a word of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. It's in Proverbs chapter 27 and it says, it says this, it says, let someone else praise you and not your own mouth. I think that's good wisdom, isn't it? You know, um, it's you know, better to self-praise as no praise. Well, let someone else praise you. It's foolish to boast about yourself. But in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, which you might want to have open in your Bibles, uh, to counteract these false Christians, uh, Paul finds himself in a position of having to, as it were, play the fool. Check it out in verse 17 if you've got that open. <laughs> Paul says, In this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. Do you think he's comfortable about uh, this? He sounds rather uncomfortable, doesn't it? Uncomfortable boasting, because what he's about to do is he's about to roll out his credentials, the things which are are impressive, uh, the things which are even more impressive than uh, these amazing leaders in Corinth. And he boasts about two types of things. Number one... Uh, the, uh, the false teachers, they, uh, they went around waving their Jewish credentials, uh, which uh, to these Greek Corinthians would have been impressive because uh, the gospel comes from the Jews to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, and because these people had these Jewish credentials, well, they must be the experts uh, on, the, uh, on the Old Testament. Well, Paul says that he can match that boast. Check it out, verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? Yep, I can tick that box because I am too. I am too. All that they have, I am too. But in this context, what's more important than being Jewish. Well, how about being a servant of Christ? And and in that respect, Paul doesn't claim, I am too. No, in verse 23, he claims, I am more. I am more a servant of Christ than they are. Though he was not so impressive in the way the world values success. I watched one of those... um, TV evangelists uh, recently, you know those guys? You know, when you, <clears throat> you you wake up too early in the morning and you can't get to sleep, you turn the TV on and there they are <laughs> on the TV and you wish you'd stayed in bed. And uh, this guy was um, asking, uh, asking his audience and asking the worldwide television audience to donate uh, to the work of his ministry uh, to help him to buy a new uh, $54 million private jet. And to replace his old one, which had replaced the one before then and replaced the one before then. And he was his justification. He said, if Jesus Christ was alive on earth today, I'm sure he wouldn't be riding around on the back of a donkey. <laughs> so here's the, here's the, here's the website and uh, contact us, give us your bank account details. Uh, a servant of Christ? Well, <laughs> no, I think Jesus would be uh, driving a <coughs> Toyota, don't you? <laughs> And flying economy class. And uh, friends, a true servant of Christ is someone who would be willing to suffer for Christ. Suffer 
so that others might actually be saved. And so Paul boasts not about his strengths, but about his his weaknesses. Verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again and again. And he goes on to recount how many times he's been whipped and bashed and stoned and shipwrecked a a night and a day in the open sea. I mean, that's, that's dreadful. Constantly on the move, in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits and from people, in danger in verse 26 from false brothers like those in Corinth. Times without food, times without water, times without clothes. And in what is then the climax? We have a look at this in verse 28. Besides everything else, he says, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Paul's concern is for those who are spiritually weak. Paul's concern is for those who are being led into false doctrine and into a false gospel, into sin, like those in Corinth. That's what exhausts him. That's what drains him of his emotional strength and fills his heart with burning concern. And that's his boast. That's his boast. He doesn't boast about all of the churches that he's planted. He doesn't boast about the many, many thousands of people who have heard the gospel from his lips and so many people have become Christians through him. He doesn't boast about his strengths but about his weaknesses. For in that, he is more like Christ. Now, um, in our Aussie culture, we might think actually those sufferings, uh, those weaknesses, those things, well, they are actually really impressive. I mean, we admire um, people who are willing to suffer and go through suffering um, because of what they think is important. That's true, isn't it? We admire such people. But the ancient Greek culture of Corinth was not like ours. Um, If there was an SBS website Uh, for people moving to ancient Greece, uh, it would say, do not be humble. Do not mention your weaknesses. Some Greeks find that obnoxious. (laughs) Boast boldly. Uh, You see, ancient Greeks and uh, ancient Romans as well, uh, they they lived in this honour-shame society and they had no view like we have of eternal life as something better than this life and it was all about how well you can succeed in this life And they published long lists, their leaders, their generals published long lists of all of their achievements and um, spelling out how great they are. We know that because we have those lists, they still exist. But Paul is different. Paul turns that upside down. Verse 30, if I must boast, I will boast of the things which show my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of the Damascenes 
guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in, in the wall and slipped down through his hands, and slipped through his hands. So what's he talking about here? Well, the governor of a city was trying to arrest Paul. Um, so in order to escape, um, Paul uh, got in a basket and was lowered down a wall. And you think to yourself, well, what on earth has this got to do with anything? Well, when the Romans attacked a, a city, the soldier who was brave enough and, brave enough and strong, strong enough and took the opportunity, the soldier who was the first soldier to scale up, to climb up the city wall to get into the city, that soldier was honoured. In fact, they, they gave that soldier a crown uh, to incentivize people to do it. Uh, so that they could boast about it, so they could brag about that. Whereas Paul boasts in being lowered down the wall, fleeing for his life for the sake of the gospel. He boasts not in his strengths, but in his weaknesses. Mind you, if Paul wanted to boast about his strengths, he, he actually had a lot to go with. Uh, for example... Amazing spiritual experiences. The Corinthians loved those. Well, how about this one? How about meeting the resurrected and ascended? The, how about meeting the heavenly Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus? How's that for an amazing spiritual experience? Well, here's another one. Um, verse 12. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to, to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up in paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. I mean, wow. <clears throat> Speaking of televangelists, I <clears throat> saw this televangelist was impressing this crowd of thousands of people in the auditorium and doubtless many more worldwide on the, on the TV uh, he was claiming that God took him up to heaven and uh, God showed him around heaven, showed him what it was like. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, what he saw was uh, everyone was living in beautiful apartments um, with uh, swimming pools and driving luxury cars. And God sent him back, he told his audience, to tell everyone about this and to encourage the Christians to start living that way now, to get used to it. Same guy who was spruiking for his $54 million private jet, <laughs> I might add. Well, Paul speaks of a man he knew who had a vision of heaven. Turns out in verses 6 and 7 that it seems that the man was Paul himself. He was caught up, he says, in the third heaven. And you think, well, well, well what does that mean? Different levels of heaven? And, well, it's a way of saying the highest of heavens. It's a way of saying the greatest spiritual experience that you could ever possibly have. And yet, there is something more important than being caught up to heaven in power. 
and that is being brought down to earth in weakness. Verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. God gave Paul a vision of heaven and then he gave him a thorn in the flesh. Thorn in the flesh, it's, it's a good image, isn't it? You, you, know what it? you know what it's like, don't you? You know, something, has, something sharp uh, has, has lodged itself in your foot or your hand and it's continually aggravating you and in the worst cases you can't get it out very easily and you have to go to the GP to have that sorted out for you. A thorn in the flesh. So what is this thorn in the flesh? Uh, it was something which obviously greatly tormented uh, the Apostle Paul. In fact, it says that, well, he says that it was a messenger from Satan, which God had allowed. Does that sound like a splinter? Some say that it may have been a physical disability. I don't know that that's something from Satan. That's part of being in a world that's not the way God intended. Because a messenger from Satan sounds more like a, more like a person, doesn't it? Uh, like in verse 26, the, the false brothers who, who endangered him. Or in chapter 11, verse 15, the super apostles who he described as being, quote, servants from Satan. Now, the truth is that we don't actually know uh, exactly what or who Paul meant because he doesn't tell us. For his point is that sometimes what Satan intends for evil that God uses for our good. Paul prayed for God to remove the thorn, but God used the thorn to remove temptation. The temptation uh, towards conceit. God used the thorn to strip away any possibility of pride and boasting. And to give Paul what is really the more necessary spiritual revelation uh, that he needed for ministry, that which we need for ministry, when God said to Paul, God spoke to Paul in verse 9 and said to Paul, My grace, my undeserved favour, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, does God need our greatness to achieve his purposes? Hardly. I mean, uh, in ministry and in the Christian life in general, if all that we experience is success after success after success after success, without difficulties, without pain, then who will we end up trusting in? Ourselves. And who will receive the praise? Ourselves. And how will we learn humility and gentleness and patience and compassion and endurance and dependence 
upon God. So that in our lives, what people see is not the the self-centred likeness of the world, but rather the cross-centred likeness of Jesus, who suffered and died on a cross so that ordinary people, people like us, can be forgiven of our sin and can be made right with God forever. Paul's life of weakness and his message of the cross were a match. In fact, it's, uh, it's actually very hard to see Christ in someone who boasts about themselves. Paul says that it's foolish to boast. But if I am going to boast, he says in verses 9 and 10, I'll boast in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Because when I am weak, I'm actually strong. Because it's not about my strength, it's about whose strength? It's about God's strength. It's not about my power, but it's about Christ's power, which rests, he says, on me. Now, that's encouraging for us, isn't it? I find that very encouraging that, um, that God's power is seen in my weakness, um, in our weaknesses. I, I grew up as a non-Christian, as many of you uh, know, and uh, for me, the, the change happened um, when I was uh, about 18 or so, uh, when I met some Christians, uh, people, who, people who really impressed me. Uh, not because of how cool or how smart or how talented they were, but by how kind they were to me, which led me to think, I, I can see something that's different. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. You know, a few years ago, one of those old friends uh, was on holidays. He actually found himself in church here. and hadn't seen him for decades. It was great. And I got to share with him something that he didn't know before of how all those years ago, God used his humble kindness, his Christ-centred life, uh, to help me in my journey to Jesus into being saved. Because something I've noticed in the Christian life is that God does wonderful things through very ordinary people. Do you feel weak sometimes? Do you feel unimpressive? Well, be encouraged. Because if we are people who love God and who are faithful to the gospel then what people see in us is not us, but is Jesus. Ordinary people. People like us who, uh, you know, uh, when we pray for someone who is not yet saved, when we speak to someone about Jesus, or when we show his love by caring for someone, and then we discover sometimes many years later, that through us that God actually opened that person's heart and even drew them to himself. And we think, what? You're kidding, aren't you? 
Through me? Wow. Because it's not through our strength, but through his. So that as Paul says elsewhere, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, um, the apparent weakness of the cross of Jesus. Uh, who would have imagined that something as um, weak and pathetic looking as a man uh, hanging and dying on a cross uh, would actually be your means to the greatest victory. We thank you for Jesus. And we pray that we would model him in our lives. That we would boast not in ourselves, but we would boast in him alone so that all the glory goes to you. Use us, we pray, as true servants of Christ. Amen.